Hi, you are listening to Creatrix Culture. I am your host, Sarah Wolf, and today we're with Zofia Renea Morales, and she is a personal coach. She's the creator of the Conscious Enlightenment Process and the host of The Sovereign Self. And I am excited to hear your story today as we were just talking about. Like I was saying, just to reiterate for everyone else that's watching and listening, I really am inspired by people's awakening stories or their stories of what puts them on a spiritual path and do the work that they do. I, I just find it really inspirational and, and it's really helpful to other people who have might find themselves in that situation or on the path. And it's it just to hear other people's stories is, is really, yeah. I find it really helpful. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank for you. Thank you so much for having me on. And we can definitely go down that road because I don't know if you've investigated my show at all, but it's all about that awakening journey because we're all very unique in how we move through our awakening process, mm -hmm. but there's always resonance and overtone and, and what do I want to say? Hope and encouragement you can get from somebody else's journey that kind of walks parallel to yours. Absolutely. Yeah. And can help make you understand things you might not understand or see there's a light at the end of the tunnel when you're walking through the dark parts. And yeah. So yeah. what I was reading with you is you went through a period of where Lyme's disease really took you down. What did yes. that look like? Uh, I call it my reverse job. And mm -hmm. one of the things I've observed, having talked to a lot of people about their journeys, is um, you're not just invited into your purpose or your mission in this life one time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the early invitations tend to be very gentle. Mm -hmm. And if you're kind of stubborn and hard-headed like i am i was raised by a german and a norwegian so i get a double dose of that really legitimately <laughs> uh the invitations frequently have to get more vigorous mm -hmm. okay and looking back i can clearly see there were several paths that i could have taken to awaken earlier and with less perhaps physical trauma and drama to myself <laughs> yeah but i chose not to <laughs> Yeah, I like to call them choice points where it's yeah. like you, the, it's it's there for you to take this path or this path that it's like it's presented. Do you want it now? No. OK, no, you sure you don't want to explore that just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think of what I went through kind of as like the spiritual two by four upside the head. And I've, I've seen this pattern with other people, and I think it has to do in part with how society is structured. Okay. You really don't get a time out in our society unless something really terrible has happened, mm -hmm. which is you you're desperately ill. You've had some kind of a tragic accident, uh, or you get incarcerated and mm -hmm. none of those are fun or desirable things, but all three of them buy you a whole lot of headspace. Mm -hmm. And I had been asking for, what do I want to say? Direction. Okay. Not, what do I want to say? Indirectly, not directly, because at that stage in my life, I was very focused on the humanistic, scientific, logical, rational, two plus two equals four approach to this world. And there's nothing beyond that. Don't talk to me about any of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but I was still seeking what is the thing I'm here to do. And so on some level, I realized there was probably a bigger plan, but yeah, no, don't talk to me about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had this mystery illness and I had it, I've had it for much of my life. Okay. My experience okay. going through grade school was, I don't know how I'm going to get through next school year with perfect attendance because there was a big incentive for that in my family. And I, I had a Barbie doll I really wanted. <laughs> Uh, but you had to have perfect attendance at school, which meant when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're not feeling good, when you've come down with a cold, blah, 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 you press on regardless. Uh -huh. And so I did that for many years, but each year it got harder. Like somebody had loaded another rock into my backpack and then pretty soon there was a whole pack of, of backpacks trailing around behind me with rocks in them. Yeah. And I, I've, started to really wonder, well, how do other people manage to live their lives? Because it's just gotten so hard for me. Mm -hmm. And as I moved through uh, grad school and undergraduate, I noticed this pattern where it's like I could push through and push through and push through and I would get through finals and then I would fall on my face and be sick as a dog the entire way through whatever the, the break was between trimesters or semesters. Mm -hmm. And then I would get back up and do it again. And every year it just got harder and i i couldn't figure out what it was they tested me for everything hashimoto's and graves disease and fibromyalgia and epstein-barr virus and lupus and i mean rheumatoid arthritis the list went on and on and on and on and uh it didn't fit any of those things mm -hmm. and so here i am i'm i'm in my late 40s at this point and i'm exhausted all the time. I don't even have to leave the house to catch whatever is going around. If my husband's exposed to it, I will catch it from him, even though he never comes down with whatever it is. Wow. Uh, the health was in a very, very bad place. And the other thing that was very scary to me as a very rational, logical mind person who, who made a lot of money using her brain, mm -hmm. I started to forget words. I'm only in my 40s. Mm -hmm. This is this is not a senior moment at this point, but I'm having these senior moments suddenly and big ones and frequent and getting worse. And at some point, my husband came home and asked me how my day was, and I couldn't remember a single thing that had gone on that day. Wow. And I equate the experience to you, you go out to your attached garage, you open the door and the garage is gone. Well, shit, I'll go back where I came from. You close the drawer and you turn around and now the house is gone too. That's kind of how it was with my memory at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really scary. I super, bet. super yeah. scary. And it was about that stage that I, I was directed to a doctor <laughs> that could actually sort this out. I actually, I went looking for a zebra. I call it a zebra. I went looking for a functional medicine doctor who took insurance. Okay. They, they like, I think there are like two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I found one that not only took insurance, but they took the insurance plan I was on. And I'm like, okay, fabulous. Because I'd already been to a whole bunch of specialists who are in their silo. Mm -hmm. My GP didn't have an idea. So it's like, I need somebody who 
who looks at a much bigger, more holistic picture, obviously. And it turned out to be a really good interaction. Uh, they covered a lot of ground. They looked for heavy metal toxins and methylation defects and all kinds. And I'm a biochemistry junkie. So I'm throwing around a bunch of big words, but basically they were looking for toxicity. They were looking for ways that my metabolism didn't work right. And they didn't find toxicity. There were some problems with how I metabolize things, which affects the, the signaling hormones in your brain. Okay. okay. And so the brain chemistry had some challenges, but they were able to give me some drops to offset that. And I finally got off antidepressants. Yay. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Uh, but we still didn't have the answer to why I'm sick and exhausted all the time. And he sat down with me after we'd been through a whole bunch of tests and said, I really think we should test you for Lyme disease. Mm. I'm like, well, they've tested me for it before. And I, it came back negative was one of the things they went and looked for. And uh, he gave me this whole pile of books <laughs> about Lyme disease and basically said, you really can't take no as an answer on the conventional Lyme test. Mm -hmm. And as a scientist, of course, I gobbled up all of these books. <laughs> and I will explain, hopefully in layman's terms, why if you've been tested for Lyme and it says no, that's not necessarily something you can make bank on. There are two aspects to making a successful test. The first one is it has to be really specific. So if it comes back and it says you have X, it's only that. It doesn't come back saying you have X if you've got something else going on. Mm -hmm. Okay, so specificity is the first thing. If it's going to come back positive, it has to be for the thing. And then the other aspect is sensitivity. And this is where the Lyme, the Lyme disease test comes in short. It is not sufficiently sensitive mm. to pick up all the infections. Okay. And so if it comes back, yes, absolutely. You can make bank on that. You have Lyme disease. If it comes back, no, it may simply mean that you don't have enough Lyme floating around in your system in the form that it recognizes oh. to come back positive because Lyme takes three different forms and this test only looks at one of them. Wow. Wow, exactly. Puts a whole new spin on that test result, doesn't it? Yeah. And so he said, we'll do the conventional one because we have to do that for CDC reporting. But there are two other tests out there that look for the other two forms of Lyme in your system. Mm -hmm. One is like this biofilm test, and I forget what the other one looks for, but it's something related to the little cysts that it makes. Okay. So Lyme is sort of like fleas. Okay, if you've ever had to flea bomb your house, especially like decades ago, mm -hmm. recently they've got these growth inhibitors that have improved this product. But back in the day, you used to have to flea bomb your house and then like 10 days later, flea bomb it again. And then 10 days after that, flea bomb it again because it wouldn't be able to kill the egg form of mm -hmm. the flea. And right. so there's a certain cycle that you have to hit the timing on just right in order to kill off the entire population of fleas because you're waiting for these eggs to merge. Mm -hmm. And with Lyme, it's somewhat similar. It has three different forms in the system. There's one that swims around in your blood, which is the one that happens with the initial phase of infection and it's the one that that traditional Lyme disease looks for. Uh, but then it also has the ability to, to create these encampments inside your system 
that are protected by this biofilm. And so it's it's like a great big tarp that it throws over itself. And so like the antibiotics and stuff don't come through that very easily. And then it has like this cyst that it forms. I think of that kind of like the egg form, similar to the fleas. And those are completely inert to like practically everything. <laughs> and this is why it's so hard to get rid of the Lyme disease is it's got these three forms, but then it has one more ally in its survival in your system. And that is a little thing called co-infections. So frequently when you've been bitten by a tick that carries Lyme, it also brings along buddies with it that's got its back. And so it will bring back, bring in other forms of parasites, amoebas, and some things like this. And they actually work to preserve each other within your system. Wow. Wow is right. They got that all really scientifically worked out, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. And so he's like, we'll, we'll run the test and we'll see what happens. Well, the, the conventional test came back negative, uh, but the other two came back with big red blaring, you know, she's got this and in a major way. The wow. biofilm test that came back, he's like, this tells me your blood is basically ketchup because there was so much of this biofilm floating around in there. It was much thicker than it should have been. So yeah, it was a really interesting process to finally get to this answer. And I guess the other thing to know at this point in the story, now that I have this answer, <laughs> is my husband and I are in bankruptcy. I have been unable to work because my brain function has declined so much that I, I can't make dinner in 30 minutes it takes me three hours wow. to make a simple 30 minute meal. And so uh, to say that I'm not functioning well is a, a, a huge understatement. Did they think at one point you had like Alzheimer's or dementia? I was so that? young. They really didn't go okay. down that didn't road, okay. which I think is probably a good thing because the last thing I want is to be on some of the drugs they have around. Right. And route you even further away, even further away. Exactly. So, yeah, it was a blessing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, go on. So Sorry, yeah, I finally got that. this, this diagnosis, which is like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I have, I've got something I can do now up to this point. It's been this mystery why I'm sick and run down for all the time decades right for decades yeah and lyme does some really nasty things to your system uh and my system hasn't completely cut recovered from some of these things it suppresses your body temperature mm. and so that actually helps it survive within your system because it is sensitive to fevers for example and so my normal body temperature is now 97 97 and a half I'm like a full degree, degree and a half lower than what's considered normal. Yeah. And my system hasn't come back from that. But anyway, I have a direction now, right? Mm -hmm. there, there are things hopefully that we can do. And he actually has had a lot of experience getting rid of this. And he gave me a plan that was in the initial phase was two years long. Wow. And it was really detailed with all rotating antibiotics and a whole bunch of uh, clearing IVs and exotic intravenous stuff. It's like, wow, this is one hell of a plan. And looking at it, you can tell it's expensive. And we're yeah. in bankruptcy. It's like, yeah. I have no idea where this money is coming from. My husband's working full time at a third of his normal employment salary and going back to grad school and taking care of me. 
He can't, there's no way he's making extra money right now. I can't make extra money right now. So the first call then was to the insurance company, right? How much of this are you going to cover? And uh, the insurance company had an interesting response to that question. I said, here's the deal. I got this diagnosis of chronic Lyme and you know, here's, here's the treatment plan I was presented. And the lady on the insurance said, uh, we don't believe in chronic Lyme. I'm like, well, isn't that fucking convenient for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I was gonna, I was, I was waiting for them to even say, because it's chronic, because you've had it for a long time. We're not, it's pre-existing. You know I mean? yeah, yeah. It's pre-existing. Well, and thank God for Obamacare, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, at least that nasty game that they used to play is is a little bit uh, lessened. They still and, play that in animals, though, actually. Like, animal, oh, just side note, animal yeah. insurance is, like, completely a scam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I had some for a little while, and it's like, yeah, I'll never be able to use this, so I... I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I just put money in a savings account. I no wish one. I would have done that. My dog is 10 years old now. And so yeah. I just keep her on her plan. Just, but I, but I really, until I really figured it out, I was like, man, she's already getting older enough that like, we're just going to keep this going. But yeah, I really, I wish when she was a pup just had started just doing that, what I would have paid for insurance, throwing it and sucking it in a savings That's account. That's a little side note for everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, note well, to self, find yeah. out how much it is and then just put that in savings. <laughs> they wouldn't even cover her getting a tooth extracted, which was like $600. They wouldn't cover that. And then another thing that wasn't even like something she had like seven years ago, they're like, oh, she's had it before. We're not covering it. I'm like, what, why am I? Paying? What are you talking about? She's never had this. Yeah. And I was just like, I just, I can't with you people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was one of those conversations. It's like, I just can't with you people. And I started, I was getting lessons all the way through this about like listening to my intuition and respecting this kind of stuff. But I got a lesson that day on being careful about the questions that you randomly ask, because I, I'm on the phone with this lady. And I think in my mind, it's like, well, good God, how can this get any worse? Now, never, ever ask that question. Because the universe will answer that question. And that's not a question you want answered. And the answer came in the form of, oh, by the way, you need to know your doctor is no longer in network. I know my zebra. She slaughtered my zebra right there. Wow. And so it's like, well, shit. Okay. So I got off the phone with her and I'm reviewing my options. And they, they all are dead ends, right? Hubby's maxed out. I can't uh insurance won't it's like what are my options i'm in bankruptcy i I don't have any assets i can sell without the trustee going okay that's mine Mm -hmm. um so i mean it's like what what am i supposed to do here and the only answer i had left was well maybe this would be a moment to reach out to dad now, I was raised with, you turn 18, you move out the house, and you're responsible for your butt and don't expect to come back here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know already this will be an uphill slog, but I figured if there's ever an exception to be made, this might be the moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I called my father and I explained the situation with the insurance company and the bankruptcy and the whole business. And... The bank of dad was empty. 
Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow is right. And that night we went to bed together um, to get some rest. My husband slept, obviously, but I wasn't at this point. Lyme is so toxic when you have it. And they'd already started me on my first round of oral antibiotics. And it gets much more toxic when you start killing it off. Mm -hmm. And so my shallow, bad sleeping that I had at that point, because of the amount of damage to my brain, has just gotten like 10 times worse than it was previous to the point that I would lay there at night and do my best to meditate so that I would feel at least a little refreshed in the morning uh, and had completely resigned myself to that I was not going to have a normal sleep cycle. That's how bad it was with my brain. And I got that much worse with the, the new antibiotics. And so that night I'm laying there and meditating is not going to happen. My brain is like a trapped squirrel and it's like, well, maybe he can get a job. Maybe I can get a job. Maybe we can get a loan. Can't, you know, and all of these things that are not possible because of the circumstances we're in. Mm -hmm. And it was finally around 3 a.m. that I accepted I had no answers. Mm. I I'd thought of everything I could possibly think of and I had no answers whatsoever. And it wasn't looking good. It's not like I was going to be able to you know, wait the three years for the bankruptcy to be up because I was going downhill really fast. Yeah. I wasn't going to be here in three years. So even waiting isn't really an option. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sat for a moment with it and thought, well, you know, I haven't talked to God in a very long time. And I had gotten to the point around God that I wasn't even entirely sure that he was a thing. But I figured I got nothing to lose at this point. And that's really the only option I can see left is assuming that there is this power that is much big, bigger and greater than I am out there in the universe uh, is requesting some assistance from that direction. Mm -hmm. And I was really conflicted around it because I'd been raised in a very hellfire and brimstone sort of corner of Protestantism. Okay. And much of what you're taught about God in those kinds of hellfire and brimstone things is not compassionate and loving. But the thing that I knew from a very young age inside myself was that that God that they're talking about in the Old Testament, who's telling them to go slaughter people and that kind of stuff is not what God actually is. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to talk to the God that I understood, not the God of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I said, God, I will do anything to get better. And I got my first answer, like immediately. There was a little voice in the back of my brain that said, really, anything? And that gave me a lot of pause because anything is got no edges on it. <laughs> this is really vast. <laughs> Do I want to put some limits on this? And I really spent some time around what do I know and understand of God and what would God potentially be asking me to do? Mm -hmm. And where are my edges? And my edges are, I'm not going to hurt somebody else. I'm not going to lie and steal and be nasty to other people. Um, I believe I should 
treat other humans, other beings on this world with great respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, God, just to make really clear who I'm talking to and making yeah. this commitment to, mm-hmm. for you, I will do anything. And I got my first miracle because I fell asleep. Mm. And in the morning, I woke with the understanding that I had to go get one of these clearing IVs that the doctor's office offers. And it's 250 bucks. I have no idea where that money is ever coming from to be able to pay them for that. Mm -hmm. But I knew I had to go do it. And so I did. And as I'm in the infusion room and starting to feel better and clearer, the doctor actually walked in, which is super unusual because that's not a place he would normally go. And so I waved him over and explained that uh, I'm a cash pay client now who's in bankruptcy <laughs> and the insurance company is not going to do anything. And he, he actually brightened up when I told him that the insurance was not going to be playing. And he says, oh, that's good. You have more options now then. Mm. Like, oh, wow. I hadn't considered it that way. And he says, we've got a naturopath herbalist who's on our staff, who's fabulous with parasitic infections. And that's what Lyme is, a parasitic infection. So his office visits are half of what mine are. The herbs that he uses to do these treatments are like 30 to $40 a bottle. And I think you'll find that much more manageable than trying to go with the treatment plan that I gave you, which I'd run the numbers on the treatment plan he gave me and it was like $28,000 a year. Okay. Yeah, exactly. With a minimum two years. (laughs) With a minimum of two years and only 70% chance that you'll kick this thing. So yeah. And I hadn't had good luck on medical odds up to that point in my life either. So it's like, yeah, 70%. I, I wish it were a little more than that. So I went and made an appointment to see this naturopath herbalist. And he was behind that day for some reason. I'm sitting in the waiting room and there's this book that's sitting on the one of the side tables in there, which got my attention because usually it's magazines and there's nothing in the magazines usually that interests me. Yeah. So, okay, grab the book. And the book says the emotion code on the cover. Mm. I, I think I mentioned I was raised by a Norwegian and a German. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about those two uh, traditions, uh, it's all about stiff upper lip and pretend you don't have any emotions whatsoever. Emotions, very, very, very bad. Yeah. And so everything I was taught was repressed, pretend they're not there. Uh, Don't be too happy. Don't be too cheerful because, you know, that might hurt other people's feelings. And you certainly aren't going to be angry. That would be very bad, you know. And so I was trained to just shove all this stuff down, which rapidly becomes unworkable. Yep. And so if this guy understands how to deal with emotions, I want to know. And I got started on this book and got just into the first chapter. I'd read all the preface and everything at that point when the owner of the book came back for it. Damn, now I got to go buy this book. <laughs> and so I, I went out to get that book and I'm going through this and I'm releasing all of these stuffed down trapped emotions that I've had in my body all of my life. And I'm starting to feel a whole lot better. And he's got this section on heart walls. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to jump ahead to that section because I know for a fact I have one. I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a palpable thing. I make a conscious decision whether I'm going to let somebody behind that sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
he made a good case for life is better if you don't have one of those. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take it down. And I started methodically taking it down. And as I'm methodically taking this down, strange shit starts happening. That's the scientific word. (laughs) (laughs) Really strange shit starts happening. I start seeing crossed over dead people, Mm. angels. Mm. Um, I start literally getting the answer to idle questions in my mind. I'm a people watcher. And so I'll see somebody in the parking lot at Walmart and they make some decision that makes me go, what on earth led them to the point that that is the logical decision (laughs) to make in that moment? And I would get the answer. I would see everything that led up to that being logical for them to make that choice. Wow. And it's like, wow, this is really, really bizarre. And the scientist in me is really busy at this time going, you have more brain damage than you realize. Things are much worse, right? And yeah. trying to find rational explanations Practical, for this. Practical, earthly Yeah, what is to, going on very, here? The left brain doesn't like the... Yeah, the right oh, brain no. it was losing the, yeah. it, completely losing it. And, you know, this is... This kind of thing does not happen to me, the the scientist. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, I'm not that kind of girl. And I came home from the grocery store one afternoon. And I guess the thing I should throw in here is my my Lyme disease has been cured. I frequently skip over that part of the story because it was such a non-issue in light of everything else that happened. How long did that take then? On the, uh, he identified the co-infection and it took uh, two weeks to get rid of the co-infection. And then we had the Lyme completely conquered within three months. Yes. Yes. Wow. Like 10 times faster than the other guy projected. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And like a fraction of the cost. A serious fraction of the cost. And it's not something I'd have ever sought out if I had not been in this this point of this is really your only functional option yeah so now yeah. now that i've covered mm-hmm. and wrapped that up with a bow yeah. i i came home from the grocery store this afternoon and i had a pile of groceries in the back of the car and i see my neighbor and she's staggering under her husband's weight trying to get him into the house he's doubled over in what's a great deal of pain and so to heck with the ice cream let's see what i can do for them so i went over and i helped her get him in the house and she's telling me that she's really concerned because his kidneys have gotten so bad and she's going to go make an emergency appointment and i'm like i'll stay here with him you do what you need to do and so he and i are standing in the living room and i know them to be very very devout people uh he was a a priest and then left the priesthood to become a more traditional minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a parochial school teacher all of her career. They're very, they're the best kinds of Christians uh, that I have met. They, they're not fire and brimstone. They're very loving. They, they share the love of God out into the world and they don't, what do I want to say, force their understanding of God on anyone else. Mm-hmm. Or their judgments. Or their judgments, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I know them to be very devout, and I respect them a great deal. And so I can see his eyes are closing and his closed and his lips are moving. And I'm holding his hands to provide some comfort because there's really nothing I can do to make him comfortable. 
I mean, kidney pain is kidney pain. It doesn't change with how you're positioned or any of it. So it's just like here, here is human comfort. That's all I, I can do. Right. And I'm watching him having this moment with his God and I'm very uncomfortable you know, eavesdropping, voyeuristically watching this. I just had my first real conversation with God two weeks ago, and I haven't been back since. (laughs) And so I finally settled on, I'm just going to close my eyes. I'll know if he has a problem because I'm holding his hands. So I closed my eyes. And then in my mind's eye, I saw this little tiny flame. It looked like a pilot light that was on the edge of going out. You know how they kind of flicker and dance before they go. Yeah. And I received this understanding that that's where he is with his life force right now. Mm. He's on the edge of, and I've not acknowledged who I'm talking to. I just asked in my mind, is there something we can do about that? Now, why I would ever even think that question It was clearly not the scientist who came up with that question (laughs) because the scientist knows that kidney disease is degenerative and irreversible and all of that. Just let him die. (laughs) Yeah, just keep him comfortable until his time comes. Yeah. Um, But I asked the question and the instant I thought that question, that flame became like this roaring bonfire and he dropped my hands. And so, of course, my eyes fly open, <laughs> see what's going on. And he says, are you a healer? Mm. And I'm looking around to see who the heck he's talking to, because this has not entered my world. And his wife at that moment came out and said, I've got the appointment. We need to go right now if we're going to get there. And so we hustled everybody out to the car. And then I went and hid in my house for two days <laughs> while I convinced myself that nothing had happened. Nothing happened here. It's, it's complete coincidence. It's imagination. It's wishful thinking. I came up with all the excuses. And after about two days, I guilted myself back next door. Because <laughs> I'm a good Midwestern girl and you help your neighbors when things like this happen. And for all I know, she's in the ICU or planning a funeral or something terrible like this. And the least I can do is bring over a casserole or chicken soup or something, right? Where are you from in the Midwest? Because I'm a Minnesotan. So am I. Wow. Yeah. I grew up in the Twin Cities. (laughs) Okay. I originally grew up in Ely. I know Um, where Ely is. Yeah. And I still have family and a cabin up there. And then uh, when I was six, my parents moved to Maple Grove right outside of Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. I know where both of those places are. My grandparents had a resort outside of Aiken, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, here we are. See, we we had to come all this way to get to know each other. We were neighbors. (laughs) Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, You had to bring bring a casserole. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I went next door and the car was in the driveway. It's like, okay, so she might be home. And I tapped on the door and she answered the door and she's got a smile on her face. I'm like, okay, so he's not in the ICU. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's probably not planning a funeral. And so she said, oh, I'm so happy to see you and waved me into the house. And, you know, Jay has so many questions for you. Like, uh-oh, <laughs> the stomach drops just a little bit because I got no answers. I've convinced myself that nothing has happened. Yeah. And I walk in the living room. There he is. He's kicked back in his Barker lounger. He's got his remote and a drink at his elbow and his book, and he's looking fat and happy. 
I'm like, how are you doing? He says, you know, it was the strangest thing. By the time I got to the doctor's office, I was feeling pretty good. And they ran me through the usual battery of tests that they do on me. And my kidney function came back normal. And this was the moment that the scientist had to sit down and shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And accept that perhaps this anything I've agreed to has something to do with this. Mm -hmm. I just got chills all over my body. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) These are my favorite stories. They really are. Well, yeah. And it's like, okay, stubborn Miss Scientist need all of the proof and everything here here's your stack of proof right here mm-hmm. we've got a whole stack of lab reports that say that he has this permanent degenerating disease and now we have a lab report that says he's fine and besides you nothing else has happened nothing else has happened exactly besides you yeah and it i don't even see it as me it was but you're you allowing you, mm-hmm, the channel the channel exactly the, divine the question the allowed channel. the yeah. channel exactly yeah. but yeah that was that was wild and then from there it just how did that um from there it was a lot of figuring out what all this is and what it all means mm-hmm. right it's like yep. okay so now i'm gonna go back and look at the last two weeks and and play a little game of what if. What if this means I have extrasensory perceptions? What if this means I am some way psychically gifted? What if this means uh, that I have a much higher purpose in this life that has nothing to do with raising children, making money, or even changing people's lives in a mundane way? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a long, ongoing journey. And I have to say that first six months, it felt a lot, I've felt a lot of uh, kinship with butterflies (laughs) in that moment. Because if you think about the life cycle, right? You start out as this little inchworm and you're just inching your way along and eating on yummy leaves and sprouts. And life is, it's all right. I mean, you don't fly or anything, but I mean, it's, it's good. eat everything that you need and and it seems all right and then one day you stuff yourself full to the gills and you hang upside down and you barf all over yourself and then inside this cocoon you start to melt down i mean completely melt down liquefy Mm -hmm. into unrecognizable goo Mm -hmm. that then eventually forms back into this strange new shape that you just don't recognize at all But when you come out of that sucker, you can fly. Mm-hmm. And it was worth every moment. Yep. And that's like such a big message for people and is who avoid the journey, you know, and, and avoid the choice points, right? And who are in the middle of it is like in that darkest, darkest hour in the nastiest where you completely have to surrender. There's nothing but to do but surrender. There's no, there's nothing left. There was no other avenue. Yeah, exactly. But to you're brought to your deepest surrender that then, you know, and it's, you know, 
And it sometimes isn't even like, fr- like so fast. It might, there might still be even like a waiting period where you're like, yeah. but I've surrendered, but I'm in the dark, you know? And it's yeah. Like, when am I coming out of the yeah. dark? I just, <laughs> you're not baked yet. Hold on. You need five yeah. more minutes. Well, and, and here's the thing, right? I, I get asked a lot. It's like, why are these, why are these change points so intense, difficult, challenging, and painful? Mm-hmm. And why do we end up in the like these dark nights of the soul? Mm-hmm. And my personal theory on the dark night of the soul is that you have light inside of you, mm-hmm. but it's become so dim that it's almost impossible for even you to find it. And the only way to find a really, really faint light is for everything else to go completely dark. Mm-hmm. And that's why the dark night of the soul, because it's your opportunity to find your light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not an easy task sometimes. No, no, it's not. And it's, but it's totally worth it. And I think that's part of the reason I, I take a little bit of issue with some of like the memes and things you see out on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, the the lady doing yoga in the meadow with the flowers and the beaming sunlight. It's like, oh yes, I'm, I'm becoming enlightened. It's like, yeah, it ain't like that at all. <laughs> Enlightenment doesn't happen there, honey. No, no. You, you end up there, there sometime after the enlightenment. Yeah. You'll have some moments that are like that. But uh, and it's yeah, no. sometimes too, because it's like, you know, it is layering. It's it's yeah. constantly peeling off. And like, you might come to the hill with the sunshine and the yoga pose, right? It's like, I'm there. I've made it. No, life continues to be life. (laughs) Life continues to be life. You're going to have rainstorms. Mm -hmm. These things will happen. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. And and that's why I was telling you in the beginning of of when we first jumped on with each other, too, is is I, I, I that's why I was like, I really got drawn to what I was reading about you because of that as well as is you in your work as well as really showing the it's not just the hill with the rainbows and the sunshine the unicorns farting icing yeah (laughs) practical of what this world and what the processes really really are and it's it's work and it can be hard but in the moments of the sparkle it's really sparkly and, and joyful but yeah you know we we i say we we came here to grow we came here to love and we came here to create you exactly know, and, and life a will continue process yeah and life will continue to be life it's just now you have better tools mm-hmm. and you're less triggered mm-hmm. and so it's easier to cope with life being life it's not that life changes in some fundamental way it's that you change how you engage with it mm-hmm. yeah yeah we are, I know you have an appointment and yeah, just true to form, so spirit's sad. like, knock, knock, okay. Knock, knock, um, look at the clock. <laughs> yeah. So I'll put the links of, for everything that you have in the description box, but do you want to explain your coaching a little bit if someone would like to work with you? Yeah, I've, I've kind of got two ways that people enter my world. So I'll, okay. I'll share both of those. Yeah. Uh, the first way that people can enter my world is I've created a what is your number one superpower, spiritual superpower quiz. Okay. Because I think a lot of us walk around going, yeah, she could be a butterfly, but I'm not a butterfly. Right. <laughs> um, and so that gives you an opportunity to kind of 
get a peek into the magic that is you because we tend to make take our magic for granted. So you can get that at superpowerquiz.us. It takes a couple of minutes and it puts you on my mailing list so you can kind of peek around the corners of Zofia's world. <laughs> if you're a lurker, that's a beautiful way to enter my world. Uh, and then I have a more direct route, which is to have a coffee chat with me. And that's a no strings attached. We talk over what is going on in your life, in your world, what's giving you your challenges in this moment. Mm -hmm. And you will leave with next steps. Okay. For resolving whatever the crisis is, for finding your way out of the dark night, if that's where you're at. And one of those options, of course, is the possibility to work with me. Mm -hmm. And I tend to meet people where they're at. And we'll just leave it there <laughs> because I, I do a lot of what I call karmic accounting. And so it tends to be what you can afford to commit to. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of a stretch mm -hmm. because if you're not stretching, you're not committed enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can get one of those nice and easy. It's uh, bookzofiacoffeechat.com. So it's B-O-O-K. Z-O-F-I-A, coffeechat.com. We take 20 to 30 minutes. I start with your soul contract, why you came here in this world. And, you know, we just go through what's up for you and you leave with action plan. That's beautiful. Well, I'm so glad we connected and I want to have you come back. Oh, I, I would love to. To, to that because there, we just didn't get to my other questions. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not mad at. I was like, I really thank you for sharing your story. I think it's really mm. important and it's such a powerful journey. And I would love to dive into that scientific slash spiritual now brain of yours even more yeah. of, of some of the, the things that I wanted to cover with you. But oh yes, me too. Yeah. So maybe like in a couple months or something. Yeah, we can do a part know. two. Absolutely. Let's have a part two. I think yeah. like, I feel like we're just scratching the surface and I would love to, I would love to take it a little deeper. So I like yeah, that. like I said, I'll put everything in the description box for everyone watching and listening for you to connect with her. And thank you so much for sitting with me today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and a blessing to be able to do this work and to connect with amazing people like you. Yes. So powerful. And thank you for everyone for watching and listening, and we'll talk with you again soon.